Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Meet me at John F. Kennedy Airport. Rachel is nervous, all excited. Every second, she carefully scans the arrivals board. When will Ross finally land? When can she, at last, embrace him again? Continue what they started at the laundromat, now that she's sure of her own feelings. For the umpteenth time, she runs her hand through her blonde hair held in place by a clip. With a nod in her stomach, she clutches the bouquet she brought in honor of their reunion. Ross sets foot on New York soil. As he retrieves his luggage, he surprises himself with a smile. He turns his head to the right. His girlfriend is right there by his side. Since he met her, he's over the moon. Finally, a woman willing to go further with him since his divorce. But this woman isn't Rachel, it's Julie. In the first episode of season two, when Rachel catches a glimpse of Ross in the airport arrival hall, her heart starts beating faster and faster. Unfortunately, she quickly discovers Ross's new girlfriend. Will he change his mind and return to his childhood love now that Rachel is willing to go further with him? Or will he continue to hesitate? You're listening to Love Me, Love Me Not. Ross and Rachel, episode two. We were on a break. Rachel tries to hide her disappointment. When she sees the couple kissing at the airport, she flees through the crowd. Stumbling with the bouquet in hand, she catches Ross's attention. So, she plays the surprised and enthusiastic woman. Ross introduces her to Julie. Rachel, not knowing what to do with her fireworks of emotions, ends up offering the famous bouquet to Julie. She hits rock bottom overwhelmed by disappointment. 15 days after this disastrous reunion, Rachel is determined to win Ross back. She's tired of paying the price for her hesitations, so she summons him to the famous balcony of their shared apartment. Rachel tells him she's still single and regrets that this meeting might have prevented her from having something with Ross. Ross thinks Rachel still sees him as her confidant, Still as clumsy as ever, he reassures her. Beautiful, adorable, sexy. If he still didn't care about her, why would he say all that? But Rachel isn't taken aback once again. Ross isn't trying to confess his love to her once more. As he continues his speech, he exclaims, convinced. You need someone who wakes up every morning with a smile and thinks, I'm with Rachel. Unfortunately, Ross doesn't stop there. He adds, like me with Julie. At times, Ross is there for her. 
At times, he hurts her without even realizing it. But she doesn't hold it against him. After all, she knows Ross is clumsy. That's why we always forgive Ross in the end. A few days later, drunk, Rachel leaves a voicemail for Ross, telling him she's very happy for him and has moved on. Emotional roller coasters and contradictions abound once more. Ross can't believe his ears. If Rachel talks about moving on, it means she was in love with him. But has she really turned the page? Later in the day, perplexity gives way to anger. Ross has been confused since morning and can't understand why Rachel didn't confess her feelings to him before he got into a relationship. So, he's going to ask her while she's closing up Central Perk. It's nighttime, and Rachel, in the midst of cleaning, doesn't seem too pleased to see him or to answer his question, which she throws back at him. To respond, Ross exclaims that it was never the right time, that he was always interrupted, especially by a certain Italian neighbor. The tension escalates, Ross leaves, and Rachel locks the door. But Ross can't leave it at that. They are so close to breaking the ice and finally admitting their feelings. When he turns around, the two of them gaze at each other through the cafe's window. They look at each other for a long, intense moment, while outside, the rain pours down. Rachel eventually unlocks the door. It's time for the second kiss, a passionate kiss. Ross and Rachel are reunited once more. Despite the kiss they shared, Ross is still indecisive. He's torn between Rachel and Julie, so he makes a list of their respective flaws to choose the one who comes closest to perfection. Unfortunately, Rachel stumbles upon this infamous list. And even though she seems to win the game by having fewer flaws than her competition, Rachel is very upset by the whole ordeal. She doesn't want him anymore, and he ends up alone. Ross is full of regrets, it's quite easy for this man who took the liberty of hesitating between two women as if he were the only one with a say. After leading her on, he makes repeated attempts to win Rachel back, in vain. It seems that for this young man, women are interchangeable according to his desires, and he doesn't hesitate to use his nice guy image to achieve his goals. This even gives rise to a concept, the nice guy syndrome as explained by American therapist Robert Glover in his book, No More Mr. Nice Guy. Fate will eventually work in his favor. One evening, Monica and Rachel decide to watch old videos together. They stumble upon a prom night archive, and the group of friends discovers that Ross has always had feelings for her. They see Rachel leaving with another date and Ross looking dejected. In front of the TV, Rachel is moved by Ross's sadness. She forgets the list and joins him on the other side of the room. The third kiss happens, and this time with their friends as an audience. Rachel and Ross are officially a couple. From there, 
they experience magical moments. The first night of love at the Natural History Museum. The first I love you. But also the first argument and jealousy. Before we continue this episode, let's take a short break to hear from our sponsor, without whom this podcast wouldn't be possible. Don't go away. We'll be right back. When Rachel leaves her job at the cafe, a certain Mark quickly offers her a position at the Bloomingdale's department store chain. Rachel accepts. As time goes on, she spends more and more time with Mark, which greatly displeases Ross. Possessive to an extreme, Ross becomes consistently jealous, so Rachel suggests taking a break from their relationship. Ross is bewildered. He doesn't want this break. So, in despair and convinced that Rachel is having an affair with Mark, he drinks and ends up in bed with another woman, Chloe, the same day. When Rachel finds out, she confirms that their romance is indeed over. Rachel's jealousy takes over from Ross's. It's a vicious cycle that prevents them from enjoying their mutual love and could lead millions of viewers to believe that love necessarily rhymes with jealousy. Life goes on, and with it, their flats continue. Later, Rachel writes him a letter. An 18-page, double-sided letter. She explains, I can't get back together with you until I know what you think. While reading it, Ross falls asleep on the kitchen counter and doesn't finish the letter. The next morning, he wakes up with a sheet stuck to his face. Ross takes a sip of coffee and pretends to dive back into his reading when he hears Rachel approaching. He has no choice but to claim that, yes, he read it all the way through. Twice even. He even nods when Rachel asks if he agrees with what she's asking for in the letter. Once again, Ross plays the attentive and devoted man instead of taking full responsibility. For him, the relationship seems to be a game with rules he can disregard without scruples. Not necessarily a need for honesty at every moment. As long as Rachel sees him as a nice guy, he'll always get away with it. At that moment, Rachel is overjoyed. Now that they're on the same page, their story can really begin. No more misunderstandings, no more jealousy, no more cheating. The fact that Ross agrees with the subject of her letter and takes full responsibility for their relationship gives her hope for the future. Happy, she hugs him repeatedly, asking if he's sure. Ross confirms. With Rachel's persistent questioning, she piques Ross's curiosity. A bit apprehensive, Ross eventually reads the letter all the way through. At the end of the 18 pages, he exclaims, I totally disagree. So he backtracks. No, he doesn't align with the letter's subject. And no, he won't take all the blame for their separation. 
Back in New York, before seeing Rachel, he consults his male friends at Central Perk, more nervous than ever. They advise him to tone it down, to finally have the relationship he wants with Rachel. A way for him to achieve his goals, but is he really sincere? During their reunion, the two are in love, happy to be back in bed after missing each other so much. Once reunited with her, he doesn't mention the famous letter. But as they cuddle, Rachel strongly emphasizes Ross's newfound maturity. A bit too much, even. She twists the knife by bringing up his past mistakes, including his lapse with Chloe. When Ross tries to defend himself by shouting the famous, we were on a break, to justify his relationship with Chloe, he's at the height of anger. And when he tells Rachel that he fell asleep while reading the letter, it's her turn to assert with anger that this time, it's really over between them. Reconciliation fails. What if they finally admitted that a romantic relationship might not be viable? Thank you for listening to Love Me, Love Me Not, a Bababam production. More in the next episode. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave comments and ratings on all listening platforms.